Welcome, NCLEX High Yielders. This is Dr. Zishan, and I'm the host of NCLEX High Yield Podcast, where we will be giving out daily content for your exam, tips and tricks that the boards love to ask, and overall general information on how to study, what to study, and complex topics broken down for you. Whether you're a first-time test taker or even a repeat test taker, we have helped people across the globe pass their NCLEX exams, so do not give up and get motivated. Make sure you subscribe to our podcast and also visit our Instagram at NCLEX High Yield, at NCLEX High Yield, where you can DM us questions so we can answer them on the podcast. Also, check out our website, www.nclexhighyield.com and subscribe to receive a link to our weekly free Zoom session. Free Zoom session where I drop all types of content, break down complex topics and make them easy for you to understand every Wednesday, 3 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, 6 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. See you guys then. Take care. Let's talk about fluids. Fluids. <laughs> I say it all the time. If you guys somebody that's septic, if you got somebody that's hemorrhaging, if you've got somebody that has DKA, what do you do first? Fluids, 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 right? So, but the question comes into what type of fluids we have, right? What type of fluids are we going to use? When are we going to use them and what are they good for? So with fluids, you really got three things you should ask yourself. Okay. With fluids, we've got three objectives. And uh, for the most part, these are the the three main things. And this is good for the boards. And this is also good for real life, right? So with fluids, you've got one of two things. Either you want to move fluid inside the body. Okay. So think about what I just said, move fluid inside the body. So maybe I want to move it either intravascularly from the extravascular space. And I'll talk about those two different things as well too. Want to move fluid. Maybe we need to replenish. Or last is maybe we need to get them their electrolytes or glucose. So these are the three objectives when you deal with fluids and when you're dealing with patients. So real quick, and I'm going to start with the foundation before I get into the different types of fluids and when we use them. If we want to move fluid, move fluid, actually, yeah, let's start with moving fluid. So what I want you to know is that there's two terms that that are very important, and you have to understand these terms. Intravascular versus extravascular. Intravascular is inside the vessels, right? What are the vessels? Your arteries and your veins, right? So that's what's going to cause your pressure to be good. That's what's going to be circulating in the body. Then you've got extra vascular space, which is outside. So in the tissue, that interstitial space, right? So when we lose fluid intravascularly, it affects our vital signs. Now, What's inside the vessels that's being pumped by the blood, by the heart into the arteries, now coming back through the veins, that's intravascularly. And if we lose that, we start to get decreased blood pressure. And if we've got decreased blood pressure, so what what our heart was pumping nice and full, 
with nice pressure is now just a little bit of fluid because we lost that intravascular fluid. And in order for it to make up for this much volume, and it's now got this much volume, it's going to pump faster, right? So you become tachycardic. But why do I say move fluid? Because what if in this situation, we didn't just become, we didn't just lose it out of our body, but we relocated it, okay? We lost blood intravascularly into extravascular space. And what's a good example of that? How about cirrhosis? When somebody loses albumin, they're not able to keep things intravascularly, so they lose it to the extravascular space. So things like ascites, things like edema, things like pleural effusions, this is that intravascular fluid moving out. But the fluid has not lost, it has not been lost from the body. Think about that concept, okay? The fluid is still there. We didn't lose it out the body. It just relocated. So guess what we can give as a hypertonic solution? Hypertonic solution, we can give them albumin. We can give them dextran because these are colloids. And guess what it's going to do? It's going, we're going to give it intravascularly. And now we're going to draw in that intravascular fluid or extravascular fluid back into the intravascular space so we can move fluids. So this is, um, this is one of the hypertonic solutions, albumin and dextran. And this is where we're going to use it, right? When we want to move that extravascular fluid back in to that intravascular space. Now, people may say, well, why, why don't we do that all the time? You know, why don't we, why, why don't, why are we just using normal saline to get that intravascular and blood pressure up and all that good stuff? Because albumin is really expensive. It's really expensive and we have a better alternative, right? But I'm just showing you what fluids are used for. And this is an example of that. So again, we're, we're moving fluid, right? And so now with moving fluid, we're going to use those hypertonic fluids, right? So an example that I gave was those colloids, which are what? your dextran, and your albumin. And now, because again, the fluid is still in the body, it's just not intravascularly. So give them something that's going to pull it back intravascularly, okay? The other reason why we can give, and some of the other reasons that we're going to give, and I'll type or I'll write out these, dextrose 5%, which is sugar, plus normal saline, so why is this hypertonic? Well, we know that normal saline is isotonic, right? It's just, it's exactly, it mimics the body. It mimics the body. But we add in now dextrose and now we've added in sugar. We've made it hypertonic, okay? We can also do dextrose 10%, which is just a more concentrated dextrose. So again, hypertonic. Or we can give that same dextrose 5% with another isotonic 
solution. And which one is that? Lactated ringers, right? So let's think about this. If I'm going to give somebody hypertonic solutions, hypertonic solutions, we're trying to move fluid. Is an int increased intracranial pressure, excess fluid, right? So why not give them something that's going to draw that fluid out and pull it in intravascularly? We're moving fluid. The other reasons that you would give, oh, and there's also, sorry, 3% normal saline. I'll talk about this a little bit different. So the, the, the concept of the different reasons why we use um, or why we use fluids is the first one is to actually move that fluid within the body. Take it away from somewhere where it's not needed and pull it into your intravascular system. Okay. So we've lost it. And now it's causing issues, ascites, proliffusion, increased intracranial pressure. Give them hypertonic solution intravascularly. Give it to them in their IV, obviously. Give it to them IV because when it gets into the intravascular system, it's going to pull it in from the excess extravascular fluid. Make sense? So moving fluid within our body. Um, so what are some other reasons that we can give um, hypertonic solutions? Okay. So moving fluids is number one. The second thing is Electrolyte or sugar imbalances, right? Where we're low in our electrolytes and our sugar. So now things like hyponatremia, and where do we see hyponatremia? One really good one, and I talk about this, is an SIADH, maybe free water intoxication. And what we have to do here is we have to correct that hyponatremia or that decreased blood sugar because we're worried about one of the eight happening here. So what are we worried about happening with hyponatremia? It is altered mental status. It is going to be seizures, right? But the trick is when we correct hyponatremia, we're going to give them what they don't have. Remember, I say this all the time. Give them 3% saline. And with 3% saline, you have to correct their sodium at a steady rate. Because what happens is you can develop, if you correct the sodium too quickly with hypertonic 3% saline, or a hypertonic solution, that, that sodium is also going to draw out water from the cells. Think about that, right? So water follows sodium. And if sodium is outside of the cell, if you got sodium all around these cells, it's going to draw the water out of those cells and those cells are going to shrivel up and die. And if they shrivel up and die in the brain, you will start to develop central pontine 
myelinosis. And this is locked in syndrome. So what happens is that these cells, we've given so much sodium so fast that all the cells are, all the water in the cells are now being taken out because water follows sodium. And now in the brain, we're starting to have all these cells start to die off. And now all of a sudden, you can't move, you can't speak, you can't do anything. And it's called locked-in syndrome. So centrine pontine myelinosis is locked-in syndrome. These people, they can hear, they can see. They can't respond, they can't move. Imagine how scary that would be. You can literally see and hear everything around you, but you can't say anything, you can't do anything. So it's so important for us when we're correcting hyponatremia to monitor this, okay? If the sugar is low, one of the eight hypoglycemia under 70, we can give a dextrose version of solution. So you can give that the three different ones I talked about, dextrose with 0.9%, dextrose that's 10%, and dextrose with lactated ringers. So the reasons why we give hypertonic solutions can be to shift fluid from extravascular to intravascular because we're giving it intravascularly, right? So anything that's concentrated is going to draw it in. Same thing with the albumin, with the, the colloid solutions as well. The next reason why we can give fluids is to correct our electrolyte imbalances, whether it's sugar or electrolytes. So electrolytes can go both ways, okay? So we talked about hyponatremia. So we gave them 3% saline. But what if they are hypernatremia? Well, this is where we're going to give our hypotonic solutions. Because what we want to do is we don't want to introduce more sodium to them. What we want to do is we kind of want to dilute them a little bit. So instead of giving them a 3%, which is going to make them way, way, way worse, or a normal saline, which may not correct it the way that we want to correct it, we give them half normal saline. And if you cut nine into half, it's 0.45, or 0.9 into half, 0.45. So that's why it's 0.45 saline. So it's half normal saline. Because ultimately what we want to do is we want to dilute them, but we don't want to cause free water intoxication. So we have to give them a little bit of electrolytes, but we want to give less of the electrolytes and more of the fluid, right? And another one that we can give 2.5% dextrose. And you're going to mix this with water, free water. So these are hypotonic solutions. So again, another way that we correct electrolytes. The third reason is we need to replenish. And what do I mean by replenish? This means that we've actually got fluid loss. We've a we're actually losing, actively losing fluid. And what are some ways that we can actively lose fluid or not have enough fluid? Well, a big one is dehydration. Vomiting, I like that. Diarrhea, burns, good. Hemorrhage, good. So think about this. In this situation, we've lost... Oh, and the other one was this one. DKA. In, in this situation, we're losing 
fluid out of our body. Okay, so in the other ones, in the other ones, we had to move fluid or we had to correct the electrolytes or sugar. In this one, we actually are losing fluid out of our body. And the way that we're going to replace fluid is to give what our body normally consists of. And if we're normal, we're going to give them isotonic solution. So you hear me say with sepsis, hemorrhage, DKA, to give fluids, fluids, fluids first, right? So what are some isotonic solutions? Lactated ringers and your normal saline. What's the difference between the two? Normal saline is going to be salt. It's salt water. Lactated ringers has more components in it. And one of the main components that you have to worry about with lactated ringers, there is a lot more in lactated ringers. It, it looks, it, it, um, it actually has sodium lactate in it. It's got potassium, it's got sodium, it's got a lot more in it. So with lactated ringers, but the thing that we need to know is, hey, look, in, in certain situations where this person is dehydrated, we need to look at their metabolic state. Very important to look at their metabolic state. With normal saline, it's just fluid. In lactated ringers, we also got lactate. And the problem with lactate is if somebody's got issues with their liver or is metabolically acidotic, we're not going to give them lactated ringers. Okay. We're going to go to normal saline. So you don't want to give lactate, which will turn into acid, right? Lactic acid. We're going to give them normal saline. So anything that has to do with liver dysfunction or anything that has to do with metabolic acidosis, because this is going to worsen those situations. So in DKA, what's happening here? We've got elevated, elevated, elevated sugar. And our sugar is so high that our body wants to get rid of it. So when it wants to get rid of it, how is it going to get rid of sugar? By peeing it out. Okay. That's why you got that polyurea. And as you're peeing, 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 you're getting dehydrated. So you have to understand when the boards come at you with this and they're going to ask you and they're going to try and trick you for sure. This person's going to have elevated blood sugar or elevated blood sugar, polyurea. They're going to be an acidotic state. What are you going to give them first? It's because they're dehydrated because their body's trying to pee off all that extra sugar. So now we're going to start with IV fluid and then add in insulin. And then we can give them potassium because the insulin is going to cause that potassium shift. So give them normal saline. With hemorrhage, what is it, 60% of our body, 60% of our body is, is fluid. And in our brain and our heart, those two organs, arguably the two most important in order, brain, then heart, guess what percentage those are made of, up of water? 73%. So though, you can imagine how important it is when we start to become dehydrated, we start to vomit, we start to have diarrhea, burn, so on and so forth. So again, the use 
of fluids is threefold. Either we're going to move it from extravascular space to intravascular because we haven't lost it out of our body, or we've got too much, like increased intracranial pressure, or we need to correct our electrolytes in our sugar, whether we have to bring it down and dilute it, or we have to bring it up because we don't have enough of it, or we've actually physically lost it out of our body. And in those situations, you're going to use isotonic solutions. Cool. So I don't, I've, <laughs> I've never done this lecture before about fluids. So bear with me. This is just how I understood it. This is how I want you to see it. I've never taught this lecture in my life. So thank you for being guinea pigs for me. I really do appreciate you guys. Hey guys, Dr. Zishan here. Thank you so much for joining us on this podcast. Hope you guys enjoyed it. If you guys could kindly subscribe, leave us some stars, whatever you think it's worth and leave us a review. We always want to get better for you guys and want to keep putting out this free content for you guys. Hope you guys enjoyed. Have a good one. See you on the next podcast.